اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم فَلَعَلَّكَ Then perhaps you You meaning O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam Perhaps you would تَارِكُن تَارِكُن One who leaves From the root letters تَرَكَفْ تَرَكَ He left تَرْك To leave تَارِك Who is تَارِك One who leaves Now don't confuse this with the name طَارِق Okay That is طَارِق This is Tariq. And who is Tariq? One who does Taraka, meaning one who leaves. So perhaps you, O Prophet ﷺ, would leave out what? Ba'da, some of ma that which yuha, it was revealed, ilayka to you. Perhaps you would leave out some of that which has been revealed to you, meaning perhaps you would not convey it to the people. Why? Out of fear. Fear of what? Their rejection. Their anger on hearing what you're telling them. وَضَائِقٌ And even if you would not leave it out, which is of course something that does not befit a prophet, but his fear is being mentioned over here. Regardless, when you convey to them, وَضَائِقٌ wa and ضَائِق One that is constricted from ضِيق ضِيق is tightness, constriction. Meaning you feel tight. Bihi, because of it, sadruka, your chest. Meaning you feel constricted and uncomfortable in your heart when you're conveying some of that which has been revealed to you, to the people. You see, we learned earlier that the first time the Prophet ﷺ made an open call to the people, he wasn't given a hero's welcome. He wasn't welcomed. Rather, he was insulted, he was rejected. And from that point onwards, the opposition, it began. And over the years, it only intensified. Now think about it. You're telling somebody about something and you know they don't like it. And you know you have to tell them. Would you be uncomfortable telling them? Of course. You know like, there's somebody who doesn't want to wake up. And your mom tells you, go wake your brother up. And you're like, he doesn't want to get up. He's not going to get up. She's like, no, wake him up. He has to go to school. So what do you do? You go, you knock on the door, you say, get up. And then you get yelled at. So what happens next time? You're like, I'm not waking him up. Even though your mother told you, wake your brother up. Are you going to go wake him up again? No. And when you're going, how do you feel? You feel so uncomfortable. Why? Because you know you're going to be rejected. Many of us, how comfortable do we feel when we're talking to non-Muslims about Islam? How do we feel? Are we like, yeah, yeah, of course, it's all cool. Yeah, I can tell you that what you're doing is wrong and what you're doing is shirk. And yes, in our religion, there's no room for any kind of shirk. Are you comfortable saying those things? Not at all. And yet, we are living in a society where people are relatively peaceful. And they will argue with you, but with respect. They're not going to slap you in the face. They're not going to go break your house. They're not going to go kill your family. They're not going to do that. Now imagine the state of the Prophet ﷺ. He has to convey to a people who have made up their mind that they're not going to believe. And he doesn't have a choice either. He has to convey. And he has to convey some of the most difficult things that anybody could ever say to someone. When we talk about Islam to non-Muslims, what do we tell them? About paradise. And we tell them about how beautiful the Islamic system is, the law is. But the Prophet ﷺ had to convey the entire Qur'an which spoke about verses that describe hellfire. Which spoke about verses that describe the fact that shirk is false, that shirk is not acceptable. That spoke about people of the past and how they were punished. I mean, these are very difficult concepts in themselves to talk about. So over here, the Prophet ﷺ is being comforted that we understand what you're going through. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is comforting him. That we understand what you're going through. You are so afraid at times. You are so uncomfortable at times that perhaps you would leave something out. But would he ever leave anything out? No, he wouldn't. Because he was commanded, بَلِّغْ مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ Convey everything that has been revealed to you. And he fulfilled his responsibility. He conveyed. He conveyed every single thing that he was commanded to. But why did he have this fear? أَن يَقُولُوا That they would say, Meaning the people would object, saying, لَوْ لَا, why not, unzila alayhi, it was sent on him, 
kanzun, a treasure. Meaning, they would say, what kind of a prophet is he? He's telling us about the fact that God has spoken to him, has revealed to him, and he doesn't have any kanz. What is kanz? Treasure. What kind of treasure? A whole lot of treasure. Basically, kanz is used for wealth on which zakat has not been given. Okay? The word is also used for such wealth on which zakat has not been given. Now you see, when zakat is taken out from even a thousand dollars, is there any slight decrease? Yes. From a set of gold jewelry, when zakat is taken out, is there a slight decrease? Yes. But think about a whole lot of money from which not even 2.5% has been removed. Imagine how much it would be. Kanz is also used for wealth or treasure that is obtained without any effort. You know, for example, a person takes his stuff to the marketplace. He engages in some business transactions. And then he gets some profit. Or he goes and works somewhere and he gets paid. That is what? Kasb. That is an earning. Kanz is something like a person buys a house and he intends to renovate it. So he knocks down the whole house. And then as he's digging, he finds a whole lot of gold. What is that? Kanz. Did he have to put an effort to acquire that money? No. He just obtained it. Likewise, a person gets a random phone call from a lawyer one day that you have such and such relative who passed away and they have left this much inheritance for you. What's that? Kanz. You don't have to put in any effort. You just inherited a whole lot of wealth. So the people would object at the Prophet ﷺ that what kind of a prophet are you if you're really sent by God? Then how come you don't have a whole lot of wealth? There are people who are much more wealthy than you. Aw or Ja'a he has come, Ma'hu with him Malakun an angel. If he's really a prophet, how come no angel is accompanying him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, comforts the Prophet that innama antanadir, you're only a warner. You're not sent to the world to become the richest, the most wealthiest person. No, you are there to convey. You are a warner. And your responsibility is to convey whether people believe or they don't, whether they mock at you or what they do. That is something that you don't need to worry about. Because wallahu ala kulli shay'in wakil, Allah is disposer of all things. Meaning, He is the one who will manage everything. You rely upon Him and continue your work. Convey everything regardless of what the people say to you. Am yaquluna, or do they say, Iftarahu, he has fabricated it. Do they reject his message, meaning the message of Muhammad ﷺ, because they say that he has invented this Qur'an, he has made it up? Qul say, okay, then if I am able to fabricate it, if I am able to make up something like the Qur'an, then you should be able to do the same thing. Because the Prophet ﷺ was not a poet. He didn't study, he didn't learn from any person. He was an illiterate person. So someone who was a poet, and someone who had learned would be more capable of producing something like the Qur'an, right? So over here a challenge is given. If you think he can do it, then you also go ahead and try. Fatu, Then come, bi'ashri suwarin, with ten surahs. Suwar is a plural of surah. Suratun, one surah. Suwar, what is suwar? Chapters. Okay? So come up with Ten surahs, mithlihi, like it, muftarayatin, fabricated. If you say he can fabricate it, you can do it too. But, of course, you cannot do it yourself. So, seek help of whoever you want. Wad'u and call upon man istata'atum, whoever you are capable of, min dunillahi, besides Allah, in kuntum sadiqeen, if you're really truthful. Meaning, if you're truthful in this claim that Muhammad ﷺ is a fabricator, he's a liar, then go ahead. You try to do something like that as well. But the fact is that the Qur'an is beyond human capacity. فَإِلَّمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَكُمْ Then if they do not respond to you. And earlier we learned that they will never be able to produce anything like the Qur'an. فَعْلَمُوا Then know أَنَّمَا Indeed not but. أُنزِلَ بِعِلْمِ اللَّهِ It has been revealed with the knowledge of Allah. Meaning the Qur'an has been revealed by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is His word. It is His speech. It is His message. And what does it contain? Some of Allah's knowledge that He has decided to 
let people be aware of. أَنَّمَا أُنزِلَ بِعِلْمِ اللَّهِ وَأَلَّا إِلَهَ إِلَّهُ And you should know that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah. فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Then would you submit? Would you surrender? Meaning, would you just give up all of your opposition and just believe already? Because the truth, isn't it already clear to you? You accuse the Prophet ﷺ of fabrication. What response are they given? Okay, if you think he fabricated it, you try to do it too. But if you have failed in that attempt, then what does it show to you? He's not a liar. He's not a liar. So when his truth is evident, what are you waiting for? فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Then would you already surrender? مَنْ كَانَ Whoever it is, يُرِيدُ He wants, he desires, he intends. الْحَيَاةُ dunya, The life of this world. Whoever desires the life of this world, وَزِينَتَهَا and its adornment. Those whose goal is this dunya only. If they want any zina, where do they want it? In this dunya only. Allah says, for such people, نُوَفِّي We will give in full, from the root letters, وَوْفَأَيَّ وَفَاء To fulfill. We will give in full, إِلَيْهِمْ to them, أَعْمَالَهُمْ their deeds. Meaning we will recompense them for their deeds fiha in it in this world only. Wahum fiha la yubhasun and they will not be in it, yubhasun reduced anything at all. Yubhasun is basically from the root letters bahasin and bahs is to reduce, to diminish something, to devalue, to diminish someone's right, to reduce. So they will not be reduced in the least even. In other words, they will get Whatever they want, they will get a lot. Now what is being mentioned over here? What is being explained in this ayah? That the person who's seeking dunya, the dunya seeker, he does not have any place in the akhirah. Any place, meaning any place of success, salvation, happiness, anything like that in the akhirah. Who? The one who's seeking dunya. مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا What does it mean by this? The one who's seeking the dunya, the one who wants the dunya, who intends the dunya. You see, any action that we do, anything at all, whether we're eating, or we're putting on some clothes, or we're going somewhere, we're reading something, there's always a reason why we're doing it. We want to get some benefit out of it. There's some result that we want to get. Like for example, You buy clothes, why? So that you can wear them and you can look nice. You read a book so that you can increase in your knowledge of that particular field. You meet somebody so that you can get to know them better. There is always an objective behind any action that we're doing. Even if we're just sitting around and doing nothing, even behind that is a reason. What is that reason? Just chill out and relax. So for everything, there is some irada. What is mentioned over here? That the person whose irada is just dunya. Just dunya. وَزِينَتَهَا And the adornment of this dunya. Meaning, if he's doing something, he's doing it for only temporary, immediate results. He's eating something just so that he's not hungry anymore. He's wearing something nice just so that he can impress people. He's working just so that he can make money, so that he can live a happy life. Meaning, the objective is just limited to the benefits of this world. It's just about this life. It's just about this life. He doesn't look beyond this life. He doesn't care about what Allah will have in store for the servant who strives to please Allah. And you see this in the way of the Prophet ﷺ, that whatever he did, he did it with what in mind? With what in mind? The dunya or the akhirah? The akhirah. Dunya also because obviously it's right in front of you. You cannot ignore it. But his main focus, his main priority was what? His main goal was what? The akhirah. Which is why if he did anything beneficial, whose name did he mention first? Allah. Bismillah. Before eating. Bismillah. Before entering the masjid. Bismillah. On getting on to his mount. Bismillah, before doing anything that is important and necessary. Mention Allah's name. Remember Him. And then upon completion, 
What did he do? He glorified Allah. He praised Allah. He thanked Allah. Why? Why thank Him? In acknowledgement of His favors. Why? Because the one who is grateful to his Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him more in the akhirah. So what do we learn here? Whoever's goal is just the dunya, he doesn't believe in the akhirah, he doesn't look forward to the reward in the akhirah, and if he even believes in the akhirah, he doesn't really care that much. All he wants is just this dunya. وَزِينَتَهَا Now what is zina? We learned about the different levels of zina earlier, remember? Zina of the nafs, so for example knowledge, character, zina of the badan, so for example physical appearance, a person's weight, their height, their looks, their physique, then money, then a person's environment, the house that they live in. So for some people, their goal is just worldly zina. If they're eating, they're eating to make sure that their body is perfect. Why? For worldly reasons. I'm not saying that if you care about the akhirah, your goal is the akhirah, then you don't care about what you eat. And you become unhealthy in your body. No. There are two reasons for having a healthy, good body. One is to show off before others, to look good, to impress others. And generally, we make the excuse like, you know, you should be confident about yourself also. Yeah, but why are we so concerned about being confident? Because we want to leave a good image with people. We want to impress people. And the other is that you want to have a healthy body so that you can do something useful in your life instead of just lying in bed. Instead of taking breaks every half an hour, every two hours. You want to be able to live a productive life. And for that, you need a healthy body. For that, you need to control your weight. For that, you need to be active. Your muscles, everything needs to be active. So you exercise, you eat well. What's the main goal, eventual goal? Akhirah here. But if a person, his goal is just the dunya, he doesn't look forward to reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. What does Allah say? نُوَفِّي إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فِيهَا They will be given the result of their deeds where? In the dunya. And وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا يُبْخَسُونَ And in that they will not be reduced at all. They will get something. So if a person is working out, really looking after their body, will they see some results? Oh yeah. Really big results. Significant changes. They will see that. A person is striving to become rich, to make more money. Will they see that? Of course they will. Yeah, there are some people who are sort of unfortunate, so no matter how much they try, they don't really get much results. But majority of the people, what happens? They strive, they strive for dunya, and do they get it? Yes. We see such examples right, left, and center, everywhere. وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَا However, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ Those are the people who لَيْسَ لَهُمْ it is not for them. Fil akhirah in the hereafter, illa nar except the fire. They will not have in the hereafter anything but the fire. Why? Because they never made their jannah. They never made their jannah with their time, with their effort, with their money, with their energy. What were they making? Just dunya. And whatever dunya they made, it got left when they died. Whatever education they gained, what happened? It died with them when they got buried in their graves. Whatever houses they made, whatever money they collected, what happened? It got distributed amongst people. It finished. So their efforts were wasted. Why? Because they never made Jannah. They never made their Akhirah. So in the hereafter, they shall have nothing but the fire. وَحَبِطَ مَا صَنَعُوا فِيهَا And it is lost. مَا صَنَعُوا فِيهَا Whatever they did in it, meaning whatever efforts they put in the world, Whatever they made, whatever they produced, whatever they achieved in the world, whether it was something tangible or intangible, whatever it was, lost. And useless, worthless is that which they used to do. Meaning their deeds will come to nothing. Because you see, a person with the most healthiest body, even, what's going to happen to their body? It's going to rot in mud one day. So what use was that body if a person spent half their life being concerned about their body? What use was it? If they were concerned about their body, but the main goal was the akhirah, so that they could do something with their body, not just show off before others, at least they will get something in the akhirah. The effort was worth it. But if the efforts don't bring any results in the akhirah, 
what was the benefit? What was the benefit? Except that a person just got exhausted and tired and just rotted in their grave. I watched a video clip once of this hand model. Meaning this woman whose hands are basically her biggest asset. And for different companies or whatever, she will you know, hold something, wear something for a photo shoot. And the only time that her husband got to hold her hand was on their wedding day. This is how protective she is about her hands. She doesn't do any housework. Nobody touches her hands. She wears these long gloves all the time and she sits like this. And her hands, yes, they look very beautiful. But I was like, okay, with one photo shoot she can make $20,000 maybe. But eventually these hands are going to rot one day. Isn't it? They are eventually going to rot one day. So okay, you can make a million dollars even through those hands, but those million dollars, what's going to happen? They're going to remain in the world. Because anything of this world, what is it? It's finite, it's limited, no matter how big it is, no matter how much it is, regardless of the quantity, it's limited. And whatever is limited, it's going to end one day. The akhirah is unlimited, it is eternal. Now this ayah is not just talking about people who are doing worldly actions for the sake of worldly benefits. This is also about someone who may be doing a good deed, but for worldly benefits. Like for example, a person is giving charity, but for what reason? To be praised by others. To be known as very generous. He is not giving charity to be praised by Allah. He is not giving charity to make Allah happy. So this deed even of riya, of showing off, is it going to make it to the akhirah? No. What is it that the people who show off will be told on the day of judgment? That you have no reward today. You sought the dunya and you got it. Like one of the first people to be thrown into hellfire. We learn about three individuals, right? One of them is who? A shaheed. Someone who participated in battle, imagine. And even lost his life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask him, what did you do? I gave you this and this, what did you do for me? And he will say, I even sacrificed my life. Allah will say, kadabta. You are lying. You did it so that you would be called a shaheed. And you were called a shaheed. You got your reward. In the world, you were called a shaheed. So now in the akhirah, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. And that person will end up where? In the hellfire. Imagine someone who died, lost their life, is going to hellfire. Why? What's the problem over here? The intention. The intention. The state of the heart. You see, when a person performs a good deed, an outward action, a good deed, whether it's an act of charity or the recitation of the Qur'an, telling somebody about something good, fasting, performing the salah, any kind of good deed, Speaking nicely to people, good akhlaq, any kind of good deed. When a person performs a good deed, and his heart is mutawajjihun ilallah, meaning his focus is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wants to make Allah happy with that good deed. This good deed will be a means of entry into Jannah for this person. This good deed can take him where? To Jannah. Why? Because his heart is directed to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the same time, if a person performs a good deed, a deed that is, you know, apparently very righteous, like for example, giving charity, performing salah, recitation of the Qur'an, doing dhikr for an hour, i'tikaf in the month of Ramadan, he's doing a good deed, but his heart is mutawajjihun ila ghayrillah, is directed to other than Allah. Like who? Like people that he wants to be acknowledged by them, he wants to be praised by them, the same good deed is going to take him where? Hell. The same good deed is taking him to hellfire. So at the end of the day, the effort, the action, yes, it matters. But what is more important than that is what? The state of the heart. 
the state of the heart what is the irada what is the intention what is the goal what is the purpose why am i doing what i'm doing do i really want allah's pleasure or do i just want acknowledgement by people do i want to impress people or do i want to make my lord happy what's the intention that will make the entire difference either it will take the person to jannah or it will take a person to hellfire so what is mentioned over here that those who strive for dunya alone they will have nothing in the akhirah except the fire all their deeds worthless they will not bring them any benefit afaman is then who kana he was ala bayyinatin upon an evidence bayyinah is what a clear proof bayyinat the proofs that the messengers brought So for example, the proofs that the messengers gave were what? Miracles, revelation, so on and so forth. Over here, clear evidence, clear proof. A question is being asked. Why? So that we think, we use our mind. Afaman, you all people who are listening, think about it. Think about it. That the one who is on a bayina, a clear evidence from his Lord, min rabbihi, from his Lord, Now the rest of the question is not mentioned over here because it's implied. And what is that? Can he be like the one who is aforementioned? Can he be like the one who has been mentioned in the previous verses? Who's been mentioned in the previous verses? Those whose efforts are useless. Why are their efforts useless? Because their goal is this dunya only, temporary dunya, and what happens? Their deeds are worthless. But now on the other hand there is a person who is on a clear evidence meaning his life is based upon the truth bayina is what din al-haq the correct religion the quran the truth his life is based upon the truth his actions are meaningful they're useful for him beneficial for him in this life and also in the next his efforts will not be batil he's living a purposeful life Can this person be like the one who's just seeking the dunya? The one whose life is based on the haq, on the truth. So every action of his is meaningful. You know like a believer, even when he eats, even when he drinks, even when he has intimate relations with his wife, that becomes a source of earning reward. Why? Because he's doing it the right way. His life is based upon what? Haq. Is there any comparison between these two individuals? Is there any comparison? One whose efforts limited to this world, another whose efforts will make it to the hereafter, bring him eternal benefits, never ending reward. Is there any comparison? Allah is asking us a question. Use your mind. Think about it. Who's better off? The one whose life is based upon whims and desires or the one whose life is based upon bayina? Clear evidence, sound truth, the correct religion. that is what he's concerned about wayatluhu and he follows him follows who the one who is upon the bayina and who's upon the bayina the believer or the messenger the one who responds to the call of allah the one who surrenders to allah the believer the messenger so who follows him yatluhu he follows him shahidun a shahid a witness minhu from him from who from allah Now the word yatlu, tala yatlu, what word comes to your mind? Recitation. But think about the time when I told you the meaning of this word. What does it literally mean? To follow. Which is why tilawa is called tilawa. Why? Because it's supposed to be such recitation in which the words are followed by what? Understanding. They're followed by action. If it's just reading, that's not tilawa. So yatlu over here is used in its literal sense. So here is a person who's upon clear truth and he is followed by a shahid from Allah a witness from Allah shahid who is shahid one who testifies one who bears witness over here it's referring to he who testifies to the truthfulness of this person that yes you are upon the haq yes you are upon the truth like for example the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was he upon bayina Of course he was upon the truth. Were there people who affirmed his truthfulness? Yes, one of the first people was who? 
One of the first people, when he received revelation and he was afraid, his wife took him to who? Waraqa bin Nawfil. And what did he do? He confirmed his truthfulness that yes, the same being came to you who came to Moses and Jesus. So, وَيَتْلُوهُ شَاهِدٌ مِّنْ Meaning, he is upon the truth and there are others who are testifying to his truthfulness. There are others who are testifying to his truthfulness. There are many evidences that show that yes, what this guy is doing is right. What this person is doing is right. وَيَتْلُوهُ شَاهِدٌ مِّنْ وَمِنْ قَبْلِهِ And before him, meaning before this shahid even came, كِتَابُ Musa, The book of Musa. What was the book of Musa? The Torah. The book of Musa was what? Imaman. A guide. Warahma And a mercy. Who is Imam? In salah. Who is Imam? The person sitting next to you. The person behind you. Who is Imam? The one who is leading the people. And how is he a leader? Because he becomes like a guide. When he says, Allahu Akbar, then the people, they follow him. Then they move on to the next step. So imam, leader, meaning a guide. So before was the book of Musa, the Torah, as a guide, warahma and a mercy. Meaning, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the Qur'an. And this Qur'an is what the Prophet ﷺ is presenting to people. And those who believe in him, they are upon this bayina. However, there are many proofs from before also. Just look at the book of Musa. That was sent as a guide to people, as a mercy to people. And those who followed it, those who believed in it, they were also upon the clear truth. Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ those يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ They believe in it. They believe in Him. Who? Those who truly believed in the book of Musa, who truly took it as an imam, as a guide, as a rahmah, they benefited from the book. Such are the people who will also believe in the Qur'an. Such are the people who will also believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because we learned earlier, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ Those are the ones who truly believe in it. Who? Those who follow the book correctly. And we have examples from amongst the Nasara, from amongst the Christians, we have the example of Salman al-Farsi. From amongst the Yahud, we have the example of Abdullah bin Salam. They truly believed in the book of Musa. And what happened when they saw the messenger? They said, yes, of course it's the truth. When they saw the Qur'an, yes, of course it is the truth. They believed. وَمَن يَكْفُرْ بِهِ And whoever disbelieves in it or in him. If we translate it as in it, it would refer to the Qur'an. If we translate it as him, then it would refer to the Messenger wasallam. So whoever disbelieves, مِنَ الْأَحْزَاب From among the groups. أَحْزَاب is a plural of Hizb. And who are أَحْزَاب? Different groups. So from the different groups of people that exist. Like for example Jews, for example Christians, for example polytheists, atheists, those who believe in multiple gods, those who don't believe in any god, whatever. Whoever disbelieves from among any of the groups, Allah says, فَالنَّارُ Then the fire, مَوْعِدُهُ is His abode, is His promised abode. مَوْعِد is from وَوْعِن دَال وَعْد وَعْدَ Promised. Meaning that will be His promised abode. Meaning that's where He's going to end up. What? Hellfire. Just look at the statement. وَمَن يَكْفُرْ بِهِ مِنَ الْأَحْزَابِ It doesn't matter who the person is, what background they're from, what religion they're following, what actions they do. If they don't believe in the Messenger wasallam, if they don't believe in the Qur'an, then what? Then the fire will be their abode. Just imagine how difficult it must have been for the Prophet wasallam to convey this to the people. Just imagine. فَلَا مِنْ Then do not be in any doubt about this. Meaning this is a fact. Be sure, be certain, have no doubt about this. Anyone who rejects Muhammad وسلم, who rejects the Qur'an, he doesn't have place in paradise. إِنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ Why? Why this so strict criteria? Because it is the truth from your Lord. This Qur'an is the truth from your Lord. So rejecting the Qur'an is like rejecting who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rejecting the messenger is like rejecting who? The one who sent that messenger. إِنَّهُ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكَ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ But the sad reality is that most of the people, they will not believe. So what do we learn here? 
that after the coming of the Messenger ﷺ, the Qur'an is the criterion. This is the Furqan, the criterion. It is because of this Qur'an that people will either make a place in Jannah or they will make a place in Hellfire. This Qur'an. It will either cause people to be successful or it will cause them to fail. And what's the first step if you want to be successful with the Qur'an? Belief, iman. And those who don't believe in it, doesn't matter who they are. This ayah makes it very clear. فَالنَّارُ مَوْعِدُ The fire is his abode. This is why Qur'an is for who? Just the Muslims? For who? For all. For every single person. The Qur'an is for who? For everyone. Because if they don't believe in it, what do we learn from here? They're not going to make it to Jannah. And if we don't want to be of those people who will end up in hellfire, how can we be okay with this for other people? How can we have this kind of double standard? فَالنَّارُ مَوْعِدُ How important it is to convey the message. وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ And who is more unjust? مِمَّنْ Than the one who iftara عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا Who fabricates a lie about Allah. How? By saying that Allah has a child. By saying that He has not revealed anything. By saying that this Qur'an is not true. The one who lies about Allah, he is very unfair, very unjust. أُولَٰئِكَ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ Those will be presented before their Lord. These liars, these fabricators, will be brought before their Lord. يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ Imagine. Imagine the state of a criminal who's committed a crime and then he's presented before the one whom he's committed the crime against. You know, like the criminal has to see the family, the family of the victim. How embarrassing that is. He's brought to the court. Yes, you were hiding for five years, but now justice will be established. أُولَٰئِكَ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ They cannot escape. Where will they run to? They will be brought before their Lord. وَيَقُولُ الْأَشْهَادِ And the witnesses will say. Which witnesses? The angels, the kiram and katibin. The angels. And these kiram and katibin, these angels, they are witnesses over who? Every single person, whether they believe or they don't believe. With every individual, there are two angels appointed who are writing, recording, whatever that this person is doing. And these angels will come as witnesses on the Day of Judgment. Likewise on the Day of Judgment, the messengers will also be witnesses. They will witness either for their people or against their people. Believers, they will be witnesses either for the people or against them. A person's own limbs, hands, feet, your head, your body will be a witness either for you or against you. وَيَقُولُ الْأَشْهَادِ The witnesses will say, هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ These are the people who lied about their Lord. Here are the liars who had the courage to lie about Allah. Just imagine the humiliation. If ever a person has lied and their lie is exposed, how they're embarrassed, they're humiliated. They just want to disappear from there. They just want to run away. Or they will avoid that situation in which that lie could be exposed. They will avoid it to the best of their capacity. But here, a person doesn't have any choice. He will be brought. Because as soon as a person will rise out of his grave on the Day of Judgment, what will happen? There will be angels ready to drag him. If he doesn't come willingly, they will drag him to the mahshab, to the place of gathering. A person will be driven by his deeds. He won't have any choice. He cannot escape. So their lie will be exposed. هَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ أَلَا لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ الظَّالِمِينَ Unquestionably, the curse of Allah is upon the wrongdoers. Who are they? الَّذِينَ يَصُدُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ They are those who stop people from the way of Allah. They stop others from the way of Allah. How? By inventing lies about Allah. By saying false things about Allah. When they lie about Allah, when they say incorrect things, things that are inaccurate, they misrepresent their religion, then what happens? Instantly, people, they don't want to take any interest in the Qur'an. They don't want to know the religion of Allah, they don't want to even hear about God. They get so angry because of the lies that they have heard. And isn't that so? I mean, in general, the kind of lies that have been spread about, not just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, concept of God, in itself. 
the false things that people believe in, that they think about. And because of that, the mention of religion itself, it angers people. Don't talk about religion here. Don't talk about God. Why? Because they have been influenced by someone, right? Someone said something nasty. Someone said something false. Someone said something untrue that has corrupted the minds of people. That has corrupted their fitrah. To such an extent that they don't want to listen even. الَّذِينَ يَصُدُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And they seek it to be crooked. I mean, they're always looking for something that they can pick on in the religion. And because of which people will have doubts about Islam. They will have doubts about the truthfulness of the Qur'an. Like for example, when it comes to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, think about how generous he was, how caring he was, how kind he was in his words, how charitable he was. We learned that in the month of Ramadan, he would be so generous that he would be more quick in giving sadaqah than a fast wind. Just imagine, he would give sadaqah so much, anybody, everybody, he wouldn't say no. He would not say no. But when people talk about the Prophet ﷺ, do they ever mention these things? What do they mention? His wife was eight years old. He had these many wives. He had this person killed after the conquest. He had these 18 people killed after the conquest of Makkah. He imposed jizya on the Yahud. This is what they talk about. They are always looking for something that they can present in a very negative way which will dampen the whole image of the Prophet ﷺ and as a result, people, they will be stopped from the way of Allah. Anybody who studies the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ in a very neutral fashion, without any kind of bias, he will appreciate that man. He will appreciate his life. He will appreciate his efforts. Yes, because of his own personal opinions, there might be certain things that he can disagree with. But overall, he will definitely appreciate the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, okay, if he had such a young wife, and if he had multiple wives, aren't you amazed by the fact that every single one of them was happy? Aren't you amazed by the fact that Aisha anha loved him? She loved him. Loved him like no wife could love her husband. Isn't that amazing? If they were happy, what problem do you have? Really, what problem do you have if they were happy as a couple? Even though there was a difference of many years, what's the big deal? Who cares? They were happy. And if you think about it, the first wife of his was who? Khadija anha, who was previously married and widowed. and I mean, she had children from before. Until she was alive, he did not take a second wife. And when he did get married to other women, there was always some kind of benefit, some kind of reason behind that. It was a source of protection for those women, for those great women, a great honor for them. And at the end of the day, really, if they were happy, what's your problem? Seriously. What's your problem? If they were happy. But people will highlight these one, two, few issues and they will always present one thing or another in such a crooked way that people will get, oh my God, this is what Islam is about? And we get embarrassed hearing these things. We get embarrassed when people talk about the Prophet ﷺ in that way. And we have no courage to defend because we get influenced also. الَّذِينَ يَصُدُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَيَبْغُونَهَا عِوَجًا You know what? The problem is actually within the minds of people. Because you view things based on your perception, based on how you think. Whatever you're looking for, that's what you will find. Like for example, if you happen to be outside somewhere, a whole lot of people, and here comes an individual dressed up in a very inappropriate manner on purpose in order to attract attention. Like it happens in crowds that people come like this on purpose. Some people, what will they do? They will just say astaghfirullah and they will go away. And other people, they will stand and look and pull out their phone and take pictures. What's the difference over here? One mind is a dirty mind. It's a dirty mind. So because of that, that's what he will find. And that's what he will look at. And that's what he will enjoy. You're doing something. One is a person who's correcting you very nicely. 
and there is another person who is just commenting from five feet away, you're such a loser, you don't know anything. Why? Because one person cares for you, this is why they're correcting you in a nice way, and another person, he's always got some problem with you, this is why they're picking on your faults. What's the difference over here? The way you think, that is how you view things. So people who have pathetic minds, that is what they see also. Even in the beautiful and pristine life of the Prophet ﷺ, they will find iwaj. In the pure Qur'an, they will find iwaj. They will find crookedness. And that is what they will highlight. And the main problem is, وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ They disbelieve in the akhirah. They don't have any faith in the afterlife. Because if they had even the slightest faith in the afterlife, they wouldn't say such things. أُولَٰئِكَ Allah says those people, لَمْ يَكُونُوا They are not مُعْجِزِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ Ones who cause failure in the earth. Meaning, can they defeat Allah's religion? What can they do to harm the Prophet ﷺ? What can they do to dishonor the Qur'an? They can even celebrate a burn a Qur'an day. They can do that. But has that reduced the number of the copies of the Qur'an? Has that reduced the number of people who are still interested in learning the Qur'an? No way. In fact, people have become more curious. What is this Qur'an? So, أُولَٰئِكَ لَمْ يَكُونُوا مُعْجِزِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ They cannot cause failure to Allah. They cannot cause failure to Rasulullah. They cannot cause failure to Kalamullah. They cannot. At the end, they will be the losers. Because where are they? Fil ard in the earth. And as long as a person is in the earth, he's trapped. Where can he escape? Who is he? What is he? Just a person. وَمَا كَانَ لَهُم مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِن And they will not have besides Allah any protectors. Meaning no one is going to shelter them. No one is going to protect them. Their own friends are going to turn against them on the Day of Judgment. يُضَاعَفُ لَهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment is going to be multiplied for them. Why multiplied? Because they kept away from the religion themselves and they also stopped many others. They deviated themselves and they led astray many others also. This is why punishment will be multiplied. مَا كَانُوا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ السَّمْعَ They were not capable of listening. وَمَا كَانُوا يُبْصِرُونَ And they could not see. Really? Were they deaf and blind? Did their ears not function? Did their eyes not function? No. They had ears, they had eyes. But they didn't use their ears and eyes properly. They didn't hear the truth with their ears. They didn't see the truth with their eyes. And even if the truth came before them, they ignored it. Instead of looking at the positive, they looked at the negative. Even if something was very visible to them, they didn't see it. Like for example, Fir'aun. Did he not see the miracles of Musa If it didn't make sense to him for a very long time, a sea that was parting, I mean, isn't that enough of a sign? But yet, look at the pride of that man. He just ran in. He just rushed after the Bani Israel into the sea. And what happened? Finished. Did he not see? He saw. But he didn't see the truth deliberately. Because if you put green glasses on, I mean, you're going to see everything green. If you wear pink, you're going to see everything pink. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ Those are the ones who خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ who have lost themselves. They will lose themselves. In other words, they will harm themselves more than they can harm anybody else. They cannot harm the deen. They cannot harm the messenger. Who are they going to lose at the end? Themselves. They will cause failure to themselves. And whatever they used to invent, lost. All those arguments and objections and everything that they invented, خلاص, finished. لا جرم There is no doubt. لا جرم is one word. I mean, yes, it's comprised of لا and جرم. But together these words, لا جرم, give the meaning of certainly. There is no doubt. This is for sure. That أنهم, indeed, they في الآخرة, in the hereafter, هم الأخسرون. They will be the greatest losers. In the hereafter, these people are going to be the greatest losers. Why? Because look at how much they strove, how much effort they put in. They ran here to there, spent their money, went from one person to another, tried to strive against the haq. But at the end, what did they get? Nothing. Nothing at all. You know, it's like if a person is trying to harm someone, 
And in that they're spending a lot of money. Okay, they lose a lot of money, but at the end they do manage to harm. You can say, okay, it was worth it. You were somewhat successful. But if they didn't manage to harm them and they lost so much money also, what would you say? What a fail. Such a great loss. لَا جَرَمَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ هُمُ الْأَخْسَرُونَ But on the other hand, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And do righteous deeds وَأَخْبَتُوا إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ And they humble themselves to their Lord. أَخْبَتُوا أَخْبَتُوا is from خَبَتَ خَبْت And it's basically to surrender, to submit with humility. So much humility that a person is, you know, he's at sukoon, he's calm, he's peaceful, with confidence, he surrendered to Allah, أَخْبَتُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ What does it mean by this? They're humble before their Lord. They humble themselves to their Lord. That when they learn anything that has come to them from Allah, they don't stand there arrogantly, they fall. They just surrender. Like Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu, imagine what a great, strong personality he was. He was told, Ittaqillah, fear God. Instantly he just put his cheek on the ground. He put his cheek on the ground. They were people who loved alcohol. Loved alcohol. So much so that they had, you know, those big, big containers full of alcohol in their houses. So much so that they would gather together and would have alcohol parties. This was in Medina. And they were drinking alcohol, enjoying it. When they heard, alcohol has been made haram. If it was in the mouth, they spat it out. If it was in the cup, they threw it. If it was in the containers, they broke those containers and threw away that alcohol. So much so that the streets of Medina were overflowing with alcohol. Flooded with alcohol. Why? أَخْبَتُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ They just break before their Lord. They just surrender. They just give up. Because they realize their reality before Allah. They say, who am I? I'm nothing. Allah is telling me? Allah is saying this? Allah wants me to do this? Of course. سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا Immediately surrender. أَخْبَتُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ those will be the people of Jannah who will abide therein eternally. Two different characters are mentioned over here, right? And now in the following ayah, a comparison is being made. Mathalul Fariqain, the example, the description of the two groups. Fariqain is the dual of Fariq. Kal a'ma, like the blind. Wal asam, and asam. Who is asam? Deaf. A'ma, unable to see. Asam, unable to hear. This is one group. Those who, despite having ears, don't hear. Those who, despite having eyes, don't see. What is blinding them? What is making them deaf? It's their bias. It's their pride. That even if the haqq is manifest before them, yet they don't see it. On the other hand, وَالْبَصِيرِ وَالسَّمِيرِ The other group is basir, those who see. وَالسَّمِيرِ Those who hear. Who use their vision, who use their hearing. Allah says, هَلْ يَسْتَوِيَانِ مَثَلًا Are they both equal? An example? Is there any comparison between the two? Think about an individual who's not able to hear and an individual who is able to hear. A person who is not able to see and a person who is able to see. Even in the physical sense. Is there a difference between the two individuals? A huge difference. But remember, this ayah is not talking about a person who is not able to hear with his ears, meaning in the physical sense. This is what? This is talking about people who choose not to listen, who choose not to see, who are blinded by their pride, by their bias. They are not equal. أَفَلَا تَذَكَّرُونَ Do you not then remember? Will you not then take a lesson? Don't you get it? That there is a huge difference between the two? So one is a person who uses their mind, another is a person who doesn't use it. Of course the end result is going to be different. In the Qur'an Allah says, لَا يَسْتَوِي أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ وَأَصْحَابُ النَّارِ The people of Jannah and the people of the hellfire, they are not equal. They are not the same. 
the one on the haq and the one on falsehood, they're not the same. There's a difference between the two. So, use your mind and choose the right way. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. فَلَعَلَّكَ تَارِكٌ بَعْضَ مَا يُوحَى إِلَيْكَ وَضَائِقٌ بِهِ صَدْرُكَ أَن يَقُولُوا أَن يَقُولُوا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ كَنزٌ أَوْ جَاءَ مَعَهُ مَلَكٌ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ نَذِيرٌ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَكِيلٌ أَمْ يَقُولُونَ افْتَرَاهُ قُلْ فَأْتُوا بِعَشْرِ سُوَرٍ مِثْلِهِ مُفْتَرَيَاتِ ما كانوا يفترون 
لا جرم أنهم في الآخرة هم الأخسرون إن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وأخبتوا إلى ربهم أولئك أصحاب الجنة هم فيها خالدون مثل الفريقين كالأعمى والأصم والبصير والسميع هل يستويان مثلا أفلا تذكرون So in the last verse we learned about the importance of hearing and vision because hearing vision what are they our eyes our ears what are they the windows to the heart with it we perceive and whatever we perceive our heart it takes it in and then it interprets it these are the means through which we attain guidance and these are big blessings also that need to be understood so that we can use them properly and so that we can take the right benefit out of them also